Hello and welcome to another episode of The Genius Podcast. My name is Karen Doyle, your host and founder of The Genius Project, an initiative for Catholic women designed to support and resource you towards growth across all areas of life, spiritual, personal and professional. We seek to do this through The Genius Podcast, which you're listening to, The Catholic Women's Masterclass, which is a four-month journey of transformation, looking at how we can live lives of balance and wholeness in Christ, our Catholic coaching programs for women, as well as our live virtual Catholic Women's Summits and the Genius Academy. This Lent, we have been journeying together, examining the disciplines of Lent, of prayer, fasting and almsgiving. To help me unpack this final discipline of almsgiving, I'm joined by Sister Anastasia Reeves from the St. Cecilia Dominican Sisters from Nashville, Tennessee. Anyone who knows me knows that the Dominican Sisters have a very special place in my heart. We consider them to be almost like family and love them very much. They've had a huge impact in my life, my husband's life and the lives of our children, as well as the Sisterhood National Catholic Women's Movement here in Australia. Sister Anastasia will share a little bit more about herself and her journey at the beginning of this podcast, but I hope that you really enjoy and that you are invited into a deeper understanding of this practice and discipline of almsgiving. Sister Anastasia, welcome to the Genius Podcast. Such a gift to have you share with us on the podcast. You've been away for a number of years in the US, but back on home territory. So welcome. Thank you. It's great to be with you. And it is really great to be home and to be serving in my own backyard, so to speak. Well, pretty much. <laughs> Stone yeah. throw. So we go back a very long way, don't we? I'm trying yes. to of the first, I think... I might have met you when you moved in with one of my good friends here in my hometown when World Youth Day was on back in 2008. Would that be correct? Um, I think we met at some some young adults events actually even before that. And funnily enough, I was just telling the sisters that my sister was house-sitting for you last millennium when you went (laughs) travelling with friends overseas for an extended time. Actually, she did, 1999. Yes. That was like way back in the day. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I so there was a big picture of you and Fiona and others on the wall, if you might remember the decorations. Yes, I do. That's how I first met you, but you didn't know I was meeting you. Oh, really? On a photograph? Yeah. (laughs) I I think that was a rather embarrassing photo, wasn't it? I think there was a huge um, nursing outfit or um, like. Oh, that's right. Fiona Mm -hmm. had made me a goodbye present. Mm-hmm. And we were both nurses and she had a life-size cutout of a person and covered the person in photographs. <laughs> That's right. I forgot that. There you go. <laughs> and more recently, we were really blessed to have, um, I think, a week or 10 days with yourself and That's right. Mary Rachel when we visited in Nashville. And That's right. Yes, that was a blast. The kids absolutely loved that trip. We went from Nashville to Vegas, so hanging out with the Dominican sisters to Las Vegas. So it was a little eye-watering for all of us, but it was a beautiful time with you. Yes, it was. It was lovely to be with you and your kids and driving around in our nun van. I know. It was so fun. Do you remember going to buy um, boots and hats? Yes. She Mm -hmm. just didn't want to leave Nashville without some boot scooting boots, so Mm -hmm. she still got them on a shelf. (laughs) A taste of Nashville. Yeah, that's right. That's it. So, Sister Anastasia, would you share just for the listeners a little bit about yourself, how long you've been with the sisters and mm-hmm. I guess a bit of your background? Yes, I'd be happy to. Thank you, Karen. Um, I grew up in a regular Catholic family like you, one of five. No, you've got four kids in your family. Four. I'm one of five. Um, we're all grown up and um, getting married and doing things like that. Um and always went to mass and uh, prayed grace before meals, but not um, not like a you know not super duper Catholic family. We weren't praying rosaries together every night or reading the Bible together or anything. But faith was important. God was God was important in our family. But I thought He had nothing to do with actually my life. Like He He existed and it was really important. And grown ups definitely made sure to take account of. God, but he didn't actually have any um, interest, particularly in me. 
uh, until I was 18 and became, I won't go into all of it, but became aware that actually God's real and he is really part of my life and he's inviting me to respond to his love and care for me. Mm. Um, I uh, And many other things happened after that. I, I did lots of volunteer work in different organisations within the church, with NET. With, I went to work on World Youth Day, as you mentioned, yes. when it was coming to Sydney. And it was at that time that I uh, met the sisters who I who were lovely, really lovely, but I was not interested in them. I was dating at the time and I thought they were a bit strange. I mean, look at that outfit. Um, uh, but, but soon enough I had this strong sense that I was called, that God was asking me to be a religious and, and when I started to think about where I might be able to live that call, uh, quickly the sisters came to mind and so yeah then in 2010 I moved to Nashville to join the sisters and wow 2010 uh, yes there you go yes nearly 12 years ago and uh, it's been a bit of a wild ride it doesn't have to be as dramatic as my experience (laughs) that's for sure other people have had much more please run (laughs) yes uh, but it, it's been it's been very blessed, and I'm and I'm I'm very blessed that I've been able to go back and forth between the United States and here, and serve in a variety of schools and and other settings. And very glad to be back now. Mm, well, we, we're thrilled that you're back. <laughs> so good. So, how's your Lent going? We're halfway through. How mm-hmm. how's your Lent tracking? Uh, so far, so good. And I say this in this context, that I think up until two years ago, I dreaded Lent. Mm. I really like, did not want to have to even participate um, because I don't, I don't like penance and I don't like, you know, not being able to do what I like to do mm. like most people. Um, and, and probably because of that, I hadn't really invested in Lent particularly well. And even, you know, as even as a sister, there's plenty of opportunities to do that, but I hadn't done that. And then the last couple of years, I felt much more, recognised more and more the, the value of mm. that time of silence and prayer and um, yeah. kind of pulling away with, with the Lord as Jesus himself did. So, mm. um, so I say that. Even though I was still mildly dreading it, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, I, it's good to be. It's good to be in Lent, and um, now what are we? A week and a half into our penitential practices, and I'm, I'm feeling it. Uh, but I, yes, I, I just really feeling drawn to keep trusting that God's going to help me mm. make a good Lent. Fantastic. It's beautiful. I really, I similar to you grew up not really liking Lent because we always had to give up chocolate <laughs> and eat mm-hmm. fish on Fridays, which I don't particularly like. But, mm-hmm. and then more recently, it's probably actually around 2011, I came across the Prodigal Son book by Henry Nguyen. Mm-hmm. And that was my Lenten study. And it just totally shifted my experience of Lent from being something to dread to something where God was actually wanting to meet me and give me gifts and graces during mm-hmm. that season. And yes. so this year, it's it's interesting, we hit the end of the year and I had a really good break, rested and recreated, you know, recreation with the kids. So I got into the swing of the year quite late and then all of a sudden Lent had started. But I found this period has been really beautiful just to slow down on a deeper level, on that deeper spiritual level with the Lord and to really enter into that desert with him and to experience him in that way. And we're doing um, Sister Miriam James Heitland's book, Restore, with our group over the course of Lent. So women who are listening to this, if they wanted to join, the Lent retreat series is free and you can join at any time. It's not You're not bound to have the book. But I have been so convicted Um you know, when you go to adoration and your head's all busy and you're thinking, thinking, and things are coming up and then you sit there long enough if you persevere and mm-hmm. you drop down into that deeper place where the Lord starts to reveal some of these hidden areas and things under rocks that you didn't quite know were hidden. 
And I think that's been my experience that he's just pulling away a couple of layers to show me, I guess, some of these other areas of my life. And the particular one that I've been convicted on is this area around love. My vocation to love particularly as a wife and a mum in this season. And I think I'm a relatively good wife and mother, but he's really convicting me about the way in which I'm loving. So I, I love the way I instinctually obviously want to be loved. And I'm challenged on loving my kids and my husband in the way that they actually need to be loved. And what the Lord's doing in me is, is convicting me of this call to really be more conformed to his image in this vocation. So that's where I'm at. So we're still halfway through. <laughs> it, it's a bit painful when he, he kind of humbles you to, uh, he brings you down off that pedestal of thinking you're kicking all the goals and you're doing really well. And you're like, oh, actually, maybe not <laughs> doing as well as I thought. So you probably have that experience sometimes in religious life with some of the sisters, I'm sure. Yes, just as just as a, a husband and children uh, can, you know, our own family, my own family growing up, yeah. uh, you you know each other so well. There's no pretense, or there's if there is, it doesn't last long. Um, and and it's the same in religious life. That just when you're living in community community life, it's it's can be purifying in the sense that you see each other as you are, and uh, so you have to recognize. Oh, there's a few things I need to change about myself, or I need to let God change about myself. Yeah. And there are things about me that are not so appealing. Yeah. Uh, which we don't wish that other people didn't know about or recognise. <laughs> it's quite, it's very humbling. <laughs> yes. And some of them are never going to change. That's the way we are. Yes. And uh, that, I think that's, it's a good point that you make because sometimes we can work so hard, can't we, to try and perfect or change ourselves. But yeah. there's also this holy acceptance of who we are in our strength and our struggle and yes. in our imperfections and the ways in which we fail and, and that's sort of, I mean, that's the whole point of the Christian life, isn't it? That we do fail and that's what a saint is, but they get up and they keep trying. Yes. And I think, as you say, that I think that's true humility, recognising your strengths, but and then also recognising our limitations. Mm. And, um, I, and that to me is a lot of what Lent is about. We want to be better and there's, there's a call to virtue. There's a call to take practical steps to be more loving, more kind, more patient, all those things. But um, we don't want to fall into the trap, which has been a huge theme for me this Lent uh, as I was coming into it. We don't want to fall into the trap of thinking of Lent as Catholic self-help mm. uh, and then then be just becoming Pelagians, heretics, really. I don't mean, you know. No, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. People who need excommunicating. I mean, <laughs> just falling into that lie interiorly that I can fix myself, I can save myself, and if I would just make myself good enough, God will love me more, so will everybody else. Yes. Um, and that, and that's the point of being uh, Christian, that's a point of Lent. Well, in fact, it's not the point. Uh, the point is that I am broken along with the rest of humanity mm. and I need a saviour. So I think, I think Lent shows us from about the third hour, the second day, pretty early on, our need of a saviour, which is, of course, the, you know, that's where we're heading in Lent is to really focus on and give thanks for the fact that we have such a saviour and who wants to give us the grace to be better. Um, but he's also, there's things that he's, that he's actually not going to fix in us and it's going to be okay because the point is, sorry, now, sorry, Dominican, I'm getting on my soapbox. Please do. You <laughs> have the best teachers. <laughs> it's your character. Um, a, a Dominican friar said to us recently on, on a retreat actually for men, uh, he said, uh, I was on a retreat for men. I was hosting sure. one. <laughs> Yes, I've done two retreats for men. It's um, it's a wonderful experience. But he was saying the point isn't uh, for us to be totally healed and perfect. That's not the point of life. And we know that because Christ himself bore wounds until he ascended into heaven and he will bear those wounds for eternity, glorified but nonetheless. So uh, I think that's really helpful to keep in mind. We want to be better. You know, we, we want to... We're aiming for it like almost like a minimum standard, of course. We're trying to be 
virtuous. We're trying to get rid of serious sin out of our lives. But the and we do want to, you know, we're called to this perfection of love. But it's not that I myself will have no limitations and I'll never sin again in a in venial or small ways mm. ever again. Um, it's a very good point. Yeah, we live we live the grace that God gives us to live. And then we keep picking ourselves up when we fall again. Well, we don't pick, we allow God to pick ourselves up. Mm, we say, sorry, I'm sorry, I've done it again. And he what? says, I love you, I love you again. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's beautiful because, it, as you said, like we can't do it on our own. I was sitting in adoration and, and I had a, I think I shared on another podcast just with my husband where I really snapped and I'm not a snappy person. I'm pretty even keel emotionally, but I, I snapped. It was like I was sick of the lounge room being a mess. The kids had left it a mess and poor Jonathan had just sat down and hadn't created any of the mess. And I came in and I was like, wow, the mess. And uh, I ended up going to adoration, just sitting there thinking, golly goodness, what was I thinking? Like he he didn't contribute to this. And I it was a backlog of other stresses that kind of came out. But I was so convicted by the Holy mm. Spirit sitting there mm. that just this, this voice was saying about just how I need to, mm. I guess, get my own self in check with the Lord and just to sit with him and to allow him to love me, to bring mm. my stress or whatever it is to him and to receive the Holy Spirit so then I can love in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense. but Oh, cool. yeah, absolutely. Yes, the best... One of the best things we can do is, well, back up. I'm all about love in Lent. Lent should be making us more loving. I don't mean that I'm particularly loving. I'm really, like, not, but I'm trying to work on it. But I do think that's kind of our test of whether Lent is doing what it's supposed to do. Am I being more loving? Or am I fasting so much I can't do my job properly and I'm snapping at my parents, husband, children, whatever, my, uh, my sisters in my case? Uh, am I being more loving? And and uh, Thomas Aquinas and um, and others talk about the ordering of our loves: that God first, then the self, then others. And I think I grew up thinking self love is a bad thing. God and others, yes, but not self love. Um, and I think that's because I had a misunderstanding of love. Um, and now I know, oh, love is wanting the best for the other person. That can be very difficult, actually, to love someone for the right reasons, to do what's best for them, because often I want what I want from them. That's right. Um, and the same with God. Do I really love God or do I just like God who gives me nice feelings and takes care of my problems? Mm-hmm. And then at the same time also I need to love myself, which means what am I doing what's best for me? including allowing time for me to rest with the Lord and um, time for those natural things that help us be decent human beings. Uh, But, yeah, as you say, go to adoration, just allow ourselves to be filled by love himself Mm -hmm. so that then we can love with that love. So important. It's so important. I know. And I think there's these, you know, the three disciplines of Lent, the prayer, fasting, almsgiving, you've touched on that with fasting. And we need to really enter into those, not to tick the boxes to say, you know, well, I gave up chocolate for six weeks or I did these acts of love or these acts of kindness. It's not so much ticking the box and fulfilling the obligation as it is like that disposition that comes from a deeper place and the motives of love and growing in that virtue of love and you know we know the definition the most basic definition of virtue is a habit but the Mm -hmm. catechism says it's a habitual disposition to do Mm -hmm. the good yes and so it's not enough to actually do the good act we have to have this interior disposition that that wants to and I guess that comes from spending time with the Lord in prayer and developing that and allowing him to fill us yes absolutely absolutely um as Dominicans I think as Christians uh the moral life, which is extremely important and leads well lived, is is um, a path to happiness. Mm-hmm. Comes second after that first part, which is knowing God and His great love for us, who we are before Him, who He is, knowing that He has a, a plan for my life, for all of our lives. Because if we don't get that right, what's the point of any of the other? 
of anything else, then just do whatever you feel like because there's, there is no, you know, a nihilist approach would be there's no purpose or when I die, that's it, there's, I don't exist anymore. But when we know this love, this profound love when we've encountered that personally in a tangible way and it's transformed us and continues to transform us daily, we hope, then there's a reason to respond um, in virtue and in, in good moral choices. Mm. Absolutely. So, sister, we um, we've talked about in the podcast. We've done a fair bit on prayer, and on, we've done a little bit on fasting. But I'd love to take a look with you around this idea of almsgiving and what what it actually is, because. I think growing up, a lot of Catholics growing up, we have our Project Compassion box every mm-hmm. every Lent. And so we put not only the abundance of our money in there, but we put out just the scarcity, our few coins each Lent. Mm-hmm. And, um, sometimes that ticks the box or we might do something nice for a neighbour or somebody. But your understanding, I'm interested in your understanding and breaking down this idea of almsgiving because when I looked mm-hmm. up the definition for it, it said, Almsgiving helps us experience giving freely, which leads to freedom from the obsession with possessing and the fear of losing control of what we actually have, which is, yeah, it is a really beautiful definition. And I think it's, you know, it's spot on. And I think sometimes if we grow up immersed in Catholic culture, we maybe haven't been formed in what this actually is and the depth of the invitation in almsgiving because I'm actually falling in love with this discipline of Lent this year it's not just about the little we've got pray fast give cards up on a wall and the kids take one each day and they practice those acts which is really lovely and it's it's Mm. great for the kids but I guess Mm. what's behind that why are we doing that what Mm. what is the invitation so I'm interested in your thoughts on this discipline Yes, and I'm so glad you asked about this. I've been asked to talk on a few different topics in Lent and almsgiving at one point I thought, oh, that would be very interesting, but in the end wasn't asked to speak about that. So I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> very good. You're prepared. And that's um, and that's a, a the, love the, I don't know where that, that description came from of almsgiving, but very beautiful. Mm. And um, a few thoughts. Um, yes, yeah, so almsgiving just very simply to to sorry to use this word when I'm trying to define, but we're giving, we're offering um, something to another who is does not have that thing and needs that thing, um, who perhaps has less of the thing than we do. Not necessarily, but you know, ordinarily, yes, we would think of those who are materially uh, less. Hmm. Um, uh, Fortunate. fortunate than ourselves yeah. um, but of course it's not just about material things either mm. um, I think it's also touching on there when you're saying to to detach ourselves from an obsession with possessing uh, it's touching on the evangelical council of poverty and while that's uh, while the council's poverty chastity obedience are strictly um, uh, pursued in religious life they are also, it's a pattern for all Christians, uh, all of those three things. Um, there's an element of them for all of us, whether we're married, single, priest, religious, whatever it is, that our widow, whatever our uh, state of life we've found ourselves in. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think that's really beautiful. And I, I'm actually, <laughs> funny, it's funny this is happening. This year I, I pulled out on New Year's Eve little like this is what you should pray for this year with different people to pray for but especially to um, pray to be renewed in the practice of poverty and a life of simplicity Hmm. and I I am reading different things and pondering this more and more it's I've already I've already given away I don't have I don't have money I don't have my own um, access to my own bank account I don't carry money on me ordinarily Um, so it's so it's helping me think more broadly. And perhaps that's helpful too for the ladies who are listening to this. Um, you know, I'm imagining many of you are married and your budget is all very clearly allocated and there's there's times in your um, life that there's, you know, there's not a lot of choices about how you're going to spend your money. So then we can go a little deeper. That's actually a really good, wonderful place to be and we can go a little deeper in how we can be 
people who are generous in our almsgiving, people who are truly detached from this obsession with possession, which I think in at least in this country, most people are quite affluent. Um, we know there are exceptions, um, but many, many of us live an affluent life. I certainly did before I was a sister. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I've got lots of things to say about that, but do you want me to keep going? Yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's it's just beautiful to have, I guess, the meaning and the understanding of almsgiving enriched. From yes. Like, it's what we traditionally grew up with. And yes. in um, Sister Miriam's book, she has these beautiful words where she says, it's the, she talks about the healing balm of almsgiving mm. and that if we're talking about growing in this virtue of love throughout Lent mm-hmm. and you know also becoming more of Christ so being Christ bearers mm. to people that we do life with that is the ultimate goal and, and way that we have been created is to be Christ be present and you touched on this is we might not have money or we might not have certain things to give away but we can give away the presence of our time and the gift of who we are and we yes. can see the need and respond in love. And it, it, I love how all of these disciplines are tied and ordered towards this mm-hmm. ultimate goal of mm-hmm. growing in love, growing in the mm-hmm. virtue of love. But I really like that statement, the healing balm of mm-hmm. almsgiving. So, yes, please continue. Yes. Tell us more. Absolutely. Because I think we all want to be healed of obsessions. Mm. We want to be people who are free. And I've been reflecting in recent weeks about my early um, years as a young adult coming into my faith, meeting young men and women who um, lived very simply, whether they were in religious life or um, doing volunteer work um, in in a Catholic context, and the absolute freedom that they knew and joy, even though I knew that materially they didn't have a lot. And that made me think, I want that. I want to live with that joy and freedom, Uh, which, of course, and joy and freedom will help us to be more loving. Mm. Uh, So, yes, you've mentioned giving of our time, um, uh, being truly present to the people who are in front of us. Um, So much easier to be present to those who are on the outer circle. I find mm-hmm. that, you know, with Jonathan and our three kids, that, that is where I'm, I mean, they, they should be the people that get the best of me, the best yes. of my time, the best of my presence. Mm-hmm. But it's much mm-hmm. easier for me to spend time being present mm-hmm. to a woman who's going through a difficult marriage than mm-hmm. it is to just slow down because there's all the tasks that still have to happen mm-hmm. in a home. Yes, yes. But it's it's really having that in the forefront of my mind that, how, how am I called to be a gift to these three kids and my husband? This yes. Vocation or in your vocation of religious life. Yes. Yes. It's having that in the forefront of our minds. How can I be truly present? And then to, and then to be creative, I think, with what that means. What, what can I give to this person in this situation? And one thing that's been coming to my mind is the gift of um, our speech, what things we're speaking about. Am I building people up? Am I putting them at ease? Simple things like basic good manners is not stuffy and old school, but actually puts people at ease in our presence. Mm. Um, uh, Saying the positive um, as opposed to gossip, slander, detraction. Negative humour. Negative humour. Understand some people use that to build rapport, but I just, I just repel. I hate negative humour. Yes. There's a a put down. It doesn't matter how much someone might laugh at it. I think sometimes it always pierces the heart. So, Mm -hmm. mm. yeah. And I, I do think that also when we're talking about women, this podcast is for women. That women have the power, you know, the power of the tongue really with the men mm-hmm. in our life. So whether they're husbands or priests mm-hmm. or people we work with or our sons, there is immense power in the spoken word that comes from a woman. Yes. And, and I think we think men are so tough and they can handle anything. But honestly, the words of a woman can pierce a man's heart and, and cut him down like nothing on earth. So mm-hmm. I think it's a very good reminder just about how we're speaking and the mm. tone in which we're using mm-hmm. the words we yes. say. Yeah. Yes, all the, yes, that's all true. Um, so I, 
I think that's true and, and um, it kind of reminds me, part of Lent also is like to break with sin, to break with sinful habits, you know, vices, the opposite of virtues, sinful yeah. habits. Um, so as you said, we don't want to just tick the boxes of, well, I didn't eat chocolate for six weeks and I put some money in Project Compassion. Lost some weight. And, yeah, I lost some weight <laughs> and, I, and, I, and I said an extra, you know, our father each day. And if that's what you can do, that's fine. But let's 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 do it with that spirit of I want to be, I want to break with habitual sin. And it mightn't be. I'm not suggesting that everybody's got like major addictions or that. Although plenty of people do. Yes, we all have some. Um, I've, I'm having less sugar in my diet at the moment. And let me tell you, I thought, oh my gosh, I think I'm going through detox or really. <laughs> <laughs> so it, 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 it can be all sorts of things that we need to break with, but particularly sinful things. Yes. Um, that, and not just for Lent, for the sake of the rest of our lives, for the sake of all those that God is placing in our lives to love and serve, you know, in an ongoing way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, that, that creative way of thinking of what I can give can also be a, a really beautiful way to, to break away from from just bad habits that we know we don't want and that bring us down as well. Even if nobody else noticed, they're not good for us. Mm. Um, because that, ultimately yeah. we're not living the fullness of who we were created to be mm-hmm. when those vices are ruling us. In this book, Restore, Sister Miriam talks about the idols and that when we go into the desert with Jesus, mm-hmm. those things are revealed to us. Now, fair enough, if we've been walking the faith for many years, we don't have huge terrible obvious idols Mm -hmm. but the idols that we do have and we do have them are far more subtle and tucked away and so we more than anyone need to go into that desert to ask the holy spirit to reveal what they are so that we can experience more freedom absolutely i agree and and priests religious as much as any other person we we swim in the same culture Mm. we read the same newspapers Often I'm not. Many, some of us are not involved with social media, so maybe don't have the same like intensity of um, contemporary culture. But we, we're not, we're not living in a bubble. Nobody's living in a bubble. So yes, there are little, little tiny ones. But what does it matter whether they're big or little? They, they're not God. Yes. And um, that, and that's just that's that's just to our disadvantage. Um, I think it's a uh, Thomas Aquinas who speaks about these little things we're attached to in this life, even if they're tiny, even if they're tiny, it still makes a difference. A bird that's chained with an iron chain is trapped. A bird that is caught with a tiny little thread of cotton is still trapped um, from flying, from, you know, from that freedom that God wants for us. So it's uh, we don't we don't want to become unscrupulous or uh, obsessive in the wrong, in the other direction, <laughs> um, but but just to be open to allowing the the discomfort that Lenten practices bring, yes. um, the, allowing us to bring to light those those little idols, those distractions, those habitual sins, whatever it is in our lives. Um, in order to um, then allow God to heal them, remove them, free yes. those places. Yes. yes, beautiful. There's a beautiful tool that I've been using. There's a journal that Metanoia Catholic has produced. I don't know if you've come across it, but no. we've just brought them into Australia, so we're selling them through the Genius Project. Mm-hmm. But they're a beautiful journal that it's it's like an extended examination of conscience, mm-hmm. and. It, um, actually, I do have one here. It's this journal and it's just beautiful. But every day just coming before the Lord and they have these seven exercises that you can practice each day. So looking at gratitudes, contemplating with God, looking at our thoughts and then yes. capturing what's going on and then releasing, asking Jesus, you know, repenting for some of the thoughts and some of the vices that we have. And it's a, it's a fantastic tool that every day you can bring that to prayer and it's it's a really beautiful way of just coming before the Lord and asking the Holy Spirit to reveal what vices, what what things are preventing us and blocking us from deepening in our relationship with the Lord. Yes. As we said at the start, it's not about 
kicking the goals and getting the halo it is just about the, the small things done consistently with great love that make the difference. So yes, yes, and Karen, I really, I um, really appreciate what you said there about the thoughts, examining our thoughts. Um, I think that uh, you know, there's that book, Battlefield, Battle for the Mind. Yes, uh, it's so true. So much of where we um, go off, you know, can be such subtle, um, almost imperceptible. Uh, thoughts that are not in line with truth that are that are little lies and uh, again it mightn't be you know denying you know major truths of the faith it might actually be nothing directly involved with doctrinal matters um but little little lies about myself god doesn't god doesn't really love me god if i if only if i match up will will that be good enough for god um whatever it happens to be and it, of course that can then start to get into the realm of mental health yes. um, issues but uh, we all have which we all have our own mental health troubles um to greater or lesser degree so just that um, attentiveness to where does my mind go when i don't have anything else to think about when i when i stop and 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 hopefully it's somewhere good and joyful, but sometimes it's it's critiquing and it's um, or it's self condemnation, critiquing other people, whatever it happens to be, and that's another opportunity for alms giving, mm-hmm. actually. Oh, clearly. Oh, I don't I don't want that to be my way of thinking about myself or other people. Okay, Lord, I entrust this person who I'm finding very difficult. I entrust her him to you. Mm. pray your pray blessing on that person right now mm. um or for, for myself well that's not true lord give me give me the words that are true no i am loved unconditionally by god yes i'm not perfect i need him i need a savior whatever it happens to mm. so um, important yeah. because yeah. i think i'm um, going through i've just gone through the metanoia purgative way cause to do the catholic coaching for women and they take you through this model which is just so important so profound and it's really grounded in that scripture of taking every thought captive mm-hmm. and making mm-hmm. it obedient to christ because mm-hmm. we often encounter a circumstance mm-hmm. we have an emotion but mm-hmm. we forget there is this sacred space where the thought happens and mm-hmm. and we can control our thoughts we can actually think about our thinking yes and that's what the you know the scripture says be transformed by the renewing of your mind and so yes if people are stuck in vices or sin or just bad mm-hmm. patterns of behavior, negative, yes. toxic mindsets, it's really about coming back and having your mind renewed and yes. learning to take those thoughts captive to Christ. And I know mm-hmm. over the past six months walking that journey, it had the most profound impact on my life because mm-hmm. I just you jump from circumstance to feeling to then reacting and acting out. Yes. Yes, we have that capacity. Like we are not like animals or objects. We have been created human persons in the image and the likeness of God, which means we have an intellect and a will Mm -hmm. that we can actually choose our thoughts. We can choose what we're going to do and how we're going to act. So I I think that's a powerful insight that because we're in such a hustle culture, we're on Mm -hmm. this treadmill of busyness and and we're not really intentional that's one of the gifts of Lent is that drawing aside into the de- mm-hmm. to sit and to be and to think. So. Yes. Um, and Karen, again, you've, you're so good. Oh, um, that's you're a great. Awesome. You're better. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> um, uh, we're having a, everybody out there. We're having a great time here. Yeah, um, I, I just want to pick up on that little um, distinction you've made there about our thoughts and our emotions uh, it's true. We can think about our thinking. We can think about the fact that I'm thinking about my thinking. That you can and think about that and think about that. So we do have this profound um, intellect that has not been given to um, any other bodily creatures. Angels, yes, they do have a wonderful intellect, but nobody else. Um, and we can we can decide what we are going to think about and not think about and that actually is really important for our emotional life mm. our emotions are what they are they happen they're neutral. and, and they yeah they're neutral they don't have a moral um yes. component but we i know you know this but it's just so good to no, say it out loud really because i think 
um, ladies, for many of us, I didn't, somebody, nobody explained this to me until I would say well into my adult life, that my emotions are neutral. They are what they are. What I can, what I can um, alter is my thinking. And often when I correct my thinking, then my emotions will be much more ordered. So, and I have found that, for example, as I, as I gave the example before, um, I might be dealing with a difficult person in my life and every time I see him or her, just my blood pressure goes up because, you know, whatever. Or then there might be an objective problem that this person really is not treating me well, whatever it happens to be. Um, and you're kind of in this, you're stuck. There's not much you can do about it, but this person's still there. So then just to say, well, Lord, there he is, there she is. I know you love her. I know you love him and I want your, I want the best for him or her. Pour out a blessing, pour out a blessing. And whatever resentment's in me, I just ask, Lord, that you would um, give me the grace to, to be forgiving in this moment. I choose with my intellect in the hope that my emotions will follow later. I choose with my will and my intellect right now to forgive and, and to trust in your grace, whatever's going to happen with all of that. Hmm. Um, I th that, that is really, really helpful. And it, can it might take a few minutes. It might take a few days. It might take 20 years mm -hmm. for our emotions to calm down, depending on the depth of the, depth of the issue. Um, but God will faithfully help us come to a better place with that. But we do, and we just do our part with our, with our thinking and our choosing and then don't worry about our, don't don't give your feelings too much credence. They get they don't get to be in the driver's seat. They get to be in the back with the kids who are causing chaos. chaos. <laughs> yeah, causing chaos. Not they do. Yeah, yeah, so true. I mean, we have such a trigger a triggered culture, don't we? Like mm -hmm. it, just everywhere on the roads, in the shopping center, everywhere, people are triggered and they're they're acting, they're responding, reacting out of that place and as Christians, as Catholic women, like we are called to something greater than just the Reacting. way the culture is. Like, Oh, we, yes. So if we can model that, like if we can model that in religious life or in marriage and for our children, like I'm convicted every show I want to go at my kids. It's like, okay. So every time I'm doing that, I'm modeling for them that, you know, that overreaction of reacting from a place of emotion instead of having a thought, having a break, and then coming back to it and coaching them yes. in this ability to think about your thinking. And, yes. yeah, so powerful. Yes, so, tr so true. You know, I, I didn't read newspapers for a few years when I was in my formation with the sisters. How nice. And then when I, um, but what was that? How nice. <laughs> yeah, it was nice and, and got rid of social media. Um, most social media platforms didn't even exist at that point. I'm not that ancient. It's just changed a lot quickly. <laughs> changed anyway. Really very quickly. interesting coming back and occasionally uh, occasionally seeing the news but more often reading a newspaper and news has now devolved into x thing happened which maybe of maybe involves something serious it might or it might be some celebrity's life which yeah, yeah, you know <laughs> they're human beings who need god's love but perhaps not perhaps not so substantial a form of news yes. and then for days, it's everybody's reaction. Such and such said this, and then such and such said this, and they said that, and they said that, and then they cancelled, and then they cancelled them for cancelling. And so news is now like everybody's reaction to the thing rather than, well, here's the thing, here's the information that you need to know um, about this government decision, this whatever important uh, event that could impact many people's lives. And so we, it just keeps getting fostered. So I don't know if you want to do a little almsgiving to yourself, this Lent, ladies, and just pull back on um, news consumption, um, social media consumption. I'm not saying that they're evil. I'm just saying that that the dynamic of how they work is not always in our best interest. Mm -hmm. um, and, and pulling away from that can actually help us think a lot more clearly. Mm, absolutely I went off social media from Christmas through to the end of January it was so good so unfortunately it's a part of life and ministry as well and it can be a good part but it's also just trying to get that balance is mm. 
Yes, yes. Well, sister, thank you so much. This has been a beautiful conversation. I hope all the women are edified and have some great ideas on how they can practice this discipline of almsgiving in their yeah. vocation. Yes. Can I just come back, Karen, and say I, in no way do I want to dismiss the giving up of chocolate. I've done that many lengths in recent years because I found that, well, actually that's the thing that hurts. For me, like, <laughs> seeing, seeing chocolate dessert come by because uh, you know I, I, we have a common table yes. having that chocolate dessert come by and think I said I wouldn't have it do you know ouch, ouch. Yeah, I have to share this story with you I went over my daughter's friends with another family mm-hmm. and they watched this show so we went over to watch it all together last Wednesday night and the younger daughter in the family she's I think she's nine mm-hmm. anyway or eight or nine and she was sitting next to me she's my goddaughter mm-hmm. and I bought two big blocks of chocolate to share while we watched this show and I offered it to her her bigger brothers and sisters had some her mum myself and she said oh I gave up chocolate for Lent and you know she didn't have any I was like you are amazing oh. like you were so disciplined <laughs> yeah I'm so impressed yeah so- yeah, if was- only I if only I could actually stick with giving up chocolate for a whole six weeks like that. I was so impressed with her. Yeah. I was like, good on you. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, what a beautiful example. What a beautiful example. I know also- she convicted me. I meant to be her godmother. <laughs> She's putting me to shame. Yeah. Um, I would also say, as you said, that the financial almsgiving, um, the church in her wisdom doesn't give us um, a prescription about that, except to say that it is important um, and we're blessed in that way. We have the freedom to choose and, and I'm in a different situation now, but I was a working girl for a long time. I do think that is important to give financially mm. to the poor, to the needs of the church, to support our clergy um, and other religious um, institutions that are supporting us, um, all of those things. Uh, the per- persecuted Christians you know, you know, you know these things. Yeah. Uh, but it, I think that is important and, and that at times it does hurt a little bit, that it's not just giving from the overflow, like Warragamba Dam, all the extra waters being yeah. <laughs> overflowing, but um, that we give give actually of our substance. May, and that might mean that I go without another thing that um, that I, I would really like, but, you know, I'm not going to, I'm going to wait another few months to buy the new pair of jeans or the new pair of shoes or mm-hmm. Or yes. just, just the, you know, I like having my coffee three times a week when I go after I've been to the gym. But but in, but for now I'm just gonna give that away. So it just I I didn't I didn't want to um I kind of came back and I thought, oh I don't want to just be too spiritual about it. No, I that. think it's fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Thank there's you. all that there's all that practical stuff too that you yeah. can pray about according to your circumstances and again if you're married in conjunction with your spouse that's really important too yes so um yeah I yeah. heard one family the mum decided that the family was going to give up television for Lynn oh was not happy <laughs> wow yeah yeah I think yeah. you're right it's just about asking the Lord and it's not too late to start even though Lynn has begun it's not too late oh. to start and ask the Lord, what are the areas? What are the attachments? What are the idols? What are the, the things that are distracting me from mm. really encountering you and being yes. transformed? Yes. I, I think that's a really important mantra in Lent. It's not too late to, to make a good Lent. Mm. And sometimes I get to Palm Sunday and you've just read that beautiful long reading of Christ's passion and death and I think, oh, wow, what have I been doing for the last five and a half weeks? Um, so, ladies, I, it, life is busy. I'm not sure when you'll listen to this. Whenever you do, it's not too late to enter in and have a beautiful Lent because it's it's just a doorway into fuller, richer life of grace with Christ from here on in, not just to Easter. Don't worry, I'm all about Easter. Anastasia means resurrection. Love it. But it's, you know. Take, taking us into the rest of our lives. Absolutely. Amen. Thank you. Can I ask whether you would close us in a prayer? for the I'd last love to. Thank you. Over all of them. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Yes. All right. Let us pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Amen. Heavenly 
Father, we love and adore you. We thank you for your goodness and graciousness to us, your, your daughters. We thank you for this precious time of Lent, for the example of Christ who set aside weeks just to pray, to be with you, to draw near to you. Let us follow Christ with great love. May this Lent be a time when we become ever greater lovers, women who love our, our families, spouses, our own parents, our friends, all those beautiful people that that you, Father, have placed in our life, that we would love them more and more deeply and that our love would become more and more, and more large-hearted for, the, for all the other people you want to, us to welcome into our lives, those on the peripheries, those who suffer, those who are without hope, those who are lost and far from your son, Jesus. In these coming days, let us begin again, not stay um, frozen or fallen in our limitations, our weakness, our sin, but with your help, stand again. Keep following after Christ as he carried his cross, as he walked through the desert, as he uh, took time to be with the little ones. And, Father, we uh, entrust all of this to you through Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Sister Anastasia. I really hope and pray that it gives you something to go away and think about and to just really reflect on. Now, just remember, ladies, it is not too late to join the free Genius Project Lenten study that we are doing. You can sign up on our website, www.geniusproject.co or on our Instagram page, genius underscore project underscore daily. The other thing I'd like to draw your attention to is our next intake of the Catholic Women's Masterclass. In this masterclass, we're going to take you through four rhythms of renewal, rhythms that you can establish in your life so that you can live lives of balance and wholeness in Christ. Over the past 12 months, I've had the enormous privilege of taking six cohorts through the Genius Project Masterclass. So ladies, if this is something that you feel tugging in your heart after Lent, if you really want to, I guess, establish some more practices, disciplines and rhythms in your life, you're welcome to join us. Check out the website www.geniusproject.co or send me an email if you have any questions, karen at geniusproject.co. So ladies, have a beautiful week. I look forward to the journey with you next week as we move closer and closer towards Holy Week. Have a beautiful week, ladies, and God bless you.